tired. So tired. Overtired. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren, back and uh, here as always with Mr. Brett Sharpstrap. Brett, how are you? I am swell. When you did the countdown before we started recording, there was yes. this long pause between two and one. Was that? Did, I, that was just happened? my. I have no idea. That really I have threw no me idea. off. Like I, I had I'm, like the beak on three, two, one. That's not how countdowns work. That isn't how countdowns work, but it wasn't that long of a pause. It was probably longer than it should have been, but it wasn't that long of a pause. Come on. Oh, so yeah, like you, you told me last week you needed, you needed, you had stuff to do. And so I thought. I had well, emotional trauma. Well, so, shit. Sorry, go on. Tell we can, let's yeah, we'll talk, talk about that in a second. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that in a second. But, but yes, please, please tell so me about it. I thought, for me. I thought we have three sponsors. We gotta, we gotta have a show. So I brought in, I brought in Victor and Aaron. And then as we're getting ready to record and I'm throwing the notes together, I realized that I had read the calendar wrong and they didn't sell any sponsors on <gasps> Thanksgiving. So we did a show. We just made up our own sponsors. Uh, we did the show anyway, like troopers and, uh, and, and threw in some, some fake sponsors for good measure. I feel like, I feel like we did justice. I think we we kept the show going in your absence. Well, I appreciate that very much, and thank um, both of both Aaron and Victor for for um, going in for me, especially when it turned out we could have just had the week off, right? <laughs> um, which that's depressing, um, but that's awesome, and that's cool that like you know since you all work together, um, is, is Aaron back from leave yet, or yes. or is she still on leave? Yes. Okay, great. The whole team's back together again. Woohoo! Uh, well, in my defense, it, yeah, I had, I said, I think, you know, family stuff or whatever. No, I had like emotional trauma last week. I'm not even gonna get a lie. We should just get straight into Brett's mental health corner. Cause I want to know how you're doing, but. It sounds like it could be just mental health corner this week. It, it definitely is. It's just, you know, the, the title of the segment is Brett's <laughs> mental health corner. And, and that doesn't change, even though it's above both of us. Fair enough. Um, okay. So. Last uh, week was the first time, uh, now almost two weeks ago, because um, I, I like left on a Monday, I came back on uh, Sunday, so I was there for a long time. I was in Atlanta for Thanksgiving, and most people are like, okay, well, most people go home for Thanksgiving. Well, I haven't gone home for Thanksgiving since 2011, and my, my mom hasn't hosted Thanksgiving since 2011, and she used to always historically be the person who always hosted. Um, but in 2011, um, on uh, three days after Thanksgiving, uh, my aunt and uncle, who were not with us that year, they were with um, uh, my my uncle's family um, in Florida. They were um, in a car accident and um, and died um, three days after Thanksgiving, two thousand eleven. And um, his sister and um, nephew were in the back seat. They fortunately survived, although his sister had. Um, some significant injuries and um, uh, her son, you know, he, he was out of all of them, like the, the best off, but, you know, had like emotional trauma of the whole thing, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but, but they died in a pretty terrible car accident and my mom and her sister were incredibly close and it has, um, I'm getting emotional. I'm talking about it, but it ruined, I mean, I, I never liked Thanksgiving as a holiday anyway, but like it ruined it for our family. Like it just, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, sure. we can't do this anymore because it, they are inexplicably, like, it, not inexplicably, inextricably. Um, inextricably, yeah, they're inextricably, like, tied together. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot. Um, my, my mom's um, brother and his wife um, and one of their kids and, and, and his family came and we had a family friend there and, and her daughter um, and so, um, my nephew was sick, so he wasn't, uh, the, the baby was sick. So my sister and the baby weren't able to be there, but it was, it was nice, but it was, it was emotionally just like, like I said, like I'm, I'm getting teary even talking about it, but it was, it was a lot. So it was one of those things where, you know, you go on vacation. I took a bunch of time off work, took like three days or whatever, which for me is a lot. and. You know, I came back and I had to take like a mental health day on Monday because I was just like, I have emotional trauma from my vacation because it was just a lot. Yeah. So. Damn. Yeah. I I do not have any family holidays marred by tragedy yet. 
So I'm very, I'm very glad. Yeah. Because it's a weird thing too, because you know, like it's this moment that's like frozen in time and like, you don't even remember. God, it was just terrible. Um, they didn't have any kids and, um, I got the call. I had just gotten back to New York and I got the call from my mom and she was beyond her, you know, she was beside herself, obviously. And then I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. And I, I remember like calling one of my bosses and getting on a flight at six o'clock in the morning the next day to fly to Atlanta. And then me and my mom and um, my uncle, and I think Grant was with us. I can't remember now. Uh, we all drove in one day to Jacksonville and back to get some of their documents because they live in Jacksonville. So we drove from Atlanta to Jacksonville and back in the same day, which is a long drive yeah and had to open up their house and you know try to try to find you know some other documents and stuff I had to hack their wi-fi and walking into someone's house where you see things that have been left very clearly they were expecting to come back well sure yeah you know what i mean like yeah. it's just that's haunting and traumatic for sure so yeah so Anyway, so that's the holiday, which again, I never really liked, but, you know, because of that, it was always like, okay, well, after that, I think we mostly went to restaurants. I think we went to Grant's mom's house a couple of times, but for the most part, it was, you know, we would go to restaurants in New York, which to me is superior anyway, but it was important for me to be there for my mom. Um, and it was important for her to like host again. I don't know if she'll be hosting anymore in the future, but it was, it was important for her to be able to do that. So. Well, I am anyway. so glad we didn't say anything denigrating about you last week because that would have just <laughs> been in horribly poor taste. Well, if you did, that's okay. We didn't. We really didn't. We 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 honored your absence and then <laughs> proceeded to talk about work and careers and being thin-skinned and gold bond and aggressive masturbation and we just covered the gamut. Amazing. I yeah. love it. Okay, so how's your mental health doing because I just like um, no, you're Wait, fine. a lot. Sorry, Pod. I am, I am like, I think stable. Like, my swings have been so mild lately mm -hmm. that I almost can't tell if I'm up or down or stable right now. And I think, I think right now I'm stable. I think, uh, I think I got, th I got away with like a long, very slightly manic phase for like two weeks without like any major follow up depression. Fingers crossed. That's awesome. I have a, Fingers crossed indeed. I have a psych appointment on Monday. I have to go into the office for the first time in over a year, which is fine, except for they take my blood pressure. And that, I, if my blood pressure is too high, they will cut my stimulants. So that right. makes getting my blood pressure something that raises my blood pressure. I was going to say, <laughs> like, so it, it, it's a catch-22. It really yeah. is. Um, and like I see, I see a primary doctor, I'm on blood pressure medication, everything is, as far as he's concerned, under control. Like right. my, my blood pressure is always a little bit high, uh, at least when I'm on the stimulants, but within, within what, normal range. Yeah, what he considers to be safe uh, for me. But numerically, it, it's high. Right. So, and, and, and so, so people do that. Yeah. I, I don't have it with blood pressure, but I have it with heart rate. Right. Cause My you always rate, have super low blood pressure. Yes. Yeah. So, but, but, so, but I have it with heart rate where my heart rate is, is naturally elevated. And I think even without the stimulants, it's elevated, but yeah, definitely you're, with you're a stimulant, like a hummingbird. Basically. But with the stimulants, it definitely is. And it's one of those things where people freak out. Yeah. Doctors freak out about it. I'm like, Okay, but I'm fine. Like, and look, there was a time, and I, I had to wear the heart monitor and shit, where my resting heart rate was like 160, and we went to the emergency room um, because that's not normal. And my Apple Watch was the thing that actually alerted me of that. But in general, yeah, it's 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 fast, but it's not anything ridiculous. But I have the same thing where doctors who like don't know me like immediately go to like, oh, well, you need to go off your stimulants. And I'm like, yeah you need to go fuck yourself right well i feel like my current doctor understands that my entire life as it is now could not exist if i did if i do not treat my adhd right and 
Uh, and I, while she is, you know, cautious as a medical professional who is responsible for my, you know, life, uh, she has to take some precautions, but I think she'll work with me on what, whatever needs to happen. So all, all in all, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, yeah. You know what I realized about this podcast? What's we, that? we have two ADHD people with, uh, with bad memories. And we probably tell the same story a lot, but I think that our, our audience is by and large, uh, same. may, may suffer from the same memory deficit. So maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe we I mean, could just do the same episode every week. Oh, okay. That would be cool. It could so just be like, like Frasier for people. It could be like their comfort show. They kind of know yeah. what they're getting into. They know what to expect. And it could be like Groundhog Day in that it's always a little bit different. Like you try to alter things just enough. Yeah. I Let's, would be down with that. To see if we can just change one little thing that'll get us out of the loop. Yeah, exactly. One little thing. Did you see Palm movie. Springs? I think it was um, Palm Springs. Was that with the one with Andy. Uh, Andy? Yes, I did. That was good. That was really good. For, a, for like for a Hulu released movie. Well, it was supposed to be in theaters, I think. Um, and then, yeah, it came out at the, the very beginning of, of the um, um, pandemic. And um, yeah, because it was uh, Andy Samberg. That's who we were trying to yeah, think of. Peter yeah. Gallagher. Um, and um, yeah, it, so yes. Yeah, so, okay, I, I just pulled up the Wikipedia. Palm Springs had its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival in G January 26, 2020. Oh, and was simultaneously released on Hulu and select theaters by Neon on July 10th, 2020. And again, that's because of the pandemic. So it was one of those things where I think they sold it and then the pandemic happened. And then people were like, well, oh shit, because it's a small movie anyway. Yeah. It was like only a $5 million budget. You know, it's a, 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 a Neon. Who was Russia, the I female think, lead in that movie? Um, it's the girl from How I Met Your Mother. Was it? Um, I think so. Um, yes, Kristen uh, Milotti. Uh, she was the she was the mother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, at you know at the end that they killed. Um, yeah. Fucking show. I swear to God. Fucking show. The fucking worst ending ever. I swear. Uh, it's just really. I'm just. I'm mad about it. Just thinking about it. Anyway. Yeah, uh, that was a good movie, though. Like, especially, as you said, for like kind of a Hulu thing, like it was better than I expected it to be. That was good. For for anyone who hasn't seen it, it follow, it's kind of that stuck in a time loop trying to figure out how to get to the next day kind of mm -hmm. plot. That's why yes. that's why it came up. Um, we should Close take a there. we should take a quick sponsor break. Yes, we should. Um, because we, we apparently we're just a three sponsor show now. And I love it. And and occasionally four because our good friends at Text Expander get get two spots and we have to work them in in addition to all of these other spots we're selling because we're so popular. Anyway, so popular. If you dread looking at your credit card statements, you're not alone. Debt can feel crippling. I recently went from barely keeping up with my own credit card payments to having zero credit card balance and fixed monthly payments. And I'm on my way to debt-free now, and that's thanks to Upstart. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple, fixed monthly payment. Like I said, I'm an Upstart customer. I got a loan approved, I got my money the next day, and I wiped out a pretty significant credit card debt. I feel so much more in control of my finances now, and my credit score is back to excellent. I'm quite happy with this situation, and I'm saving thousands on what I would have paid in interest on my credit cards. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 and $50,000, and you can have your money in a day or two. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com overtired. That's upstart.com slash overtired. And don't forget to use our URL so they know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Just head to upstart.com slash overtired and cancel out that debt today. So we're going through this. Like, we got news I, I, I won't go into too much uh, sausage factory information because I don't want to get fired. And right. I, I don't know where the line is, but 
last last week, like so two weeks ago, we got noticed that our like our team has kind of this triumvirate of like we have three manager like three bosses. Mm-hmm. And and I reported directly to one of them. And uh but we took kind of orders from all three of them. And we got notice two weeks ago that one of the three was moving to a different team. Okay. Not a huge deal. Uh, And I really liked uh, the woman who was going to be stepping into his place. And uh, like everything seemed cool. And then last Monday, we get on uh, to our first Zoom meeting with our manager, just our small little team. And he tells us that he's also moving to a different team. And now we report directly to the other manager and um the the word reorg is is thrown bandied about which always makes me nervous because that is almost always synonymous with layoffs in my personal experience Uh, um yeah and no i mean usually in my personal in your experience no 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 no, what i was gonna say the thing about corporate america is it's often yes, but I, at least in my experience at big tech companies, it's also very frequent and not always the case. Sorry, go on. And this is apparently one of those not always the case because no one got laid off. A bunch of people moved to different teams and they basically streamlined our management of the DevRel team uh, at the same time. So like I had Victor and Aaron on last week uh, on this show and it had gone really like we got some good responses from people like we a lot of the stuff we talked about struck uh nerves for people and and started some conversations and i thought man maybe maybe the three of us should should have like something regular and then i thought oh shit i could make my you know like my work happy and we could do a podcast for work and then that like brainstormed into this whole like here's what we could do different to make our our jobs better and I was all ready to present that to my manager on the morning that I found out he wasn't my manager anymore. Uh, so I took it to I took it to our new manager, and she loved it. and And I think I think my job's going to get better because we've been we've been editing other people's tutorials about things that none of us understand, and we've basically just been doing grammar and spell checks on other people's work. And it's we're like burning out from boredom and lack of growth. And uh, so we're going to start like actually doing tutorials and bringing in experts and creating uh, content uh, podcasts and videos and actually learning some stuff. And I think it's going to be way more fun now. So, yeah, I think it's all it's going to be good in the end. I think it's yeah, I don't think there's going to be a downside to this. No, I think that's awesome. That's great. I'm happy to hear that because, yeah, because sometimes you, you, you don't know, right? Like sometimes like it, it, it seems like it's it's fine. And then sometimes it's like um, you're, it's scary. I've been through a lot of reorgs at Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft is kind of famous for loving them. And some of them have been better than others. Like one of them was really good. One of them was not, to be honest. Um, and, and that wasn't really like the fault of um, uh, the person I was put under. Uh, uh, they didn't choose me. I didn't choose them. It was just one of those things. and. Um, uh, sometimes they make more sense than other times. And um, uh, ironically, the reason I'm on DevRel, which is where I always should have been, was because literally the week that I joined the company, there was, um, we got a new um, uh, corporate vice president and there was, go- she like announced and gave people months of advance notice, which amazing from her. She was like, yep, there's going to be a reorg and, and everybody was kind of scrambling. And I was like, Okay, so the job I was hired for is probably not going to exist. The product I work on, and I knew this even before I found out that she'd been hired. Like I knew my second day, I was like, "Oh, this is not going to exist in a year," and it didn't. Um, and uh, I had to like scramble basically and find like a new team, a new. And I actually went to a completely different part of the company. Um, and uh, but that was like a fight or flight moment for me. So you're not having to do any of that. It seems like this is going to be good. It seems like you're like at least now, like seems like you're you're going to enjoy your job more. So this is this is exciting. Um, speaking of Microsoft. Yes. I saw a tweet just this morning that mm-hmm. had a screenshot of Edge 
popping up a warning if you yeah. went to the Google if you went to download so Google shitty. Chrome. It's so shitty, and 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 I'm 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 like. It feels so like it, no. early days of Internet Explorer. No, it does. Well, here's the thing, and 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 I I have to be careful about what I say about this because I'm not a public. Well, I don't represent Microsoft. Everyone who listens to this podcast should know that and knows that. However, as people at the company have informed me, you know, I am a public figure. Well, no, I think that the term was, well, you're you're kind of a, and I was like, no, I I am. I, I that's how I would be classified. I have a Wikipedia. Like, I'm not trying to say anything. Most people have no fucking clue who I am. But in this sphere, I definitely, it, I, I am, I like most employees kind of run the risk of like, oh, if you say something, you're speaking on behalf of the company. I especially run into that risk. So I have to be careful what I'm saying here, which is not to say that I'm not going to be critical of it because I am. I just need to temper it. But yeah, it seems like early Internet Explorer bullshit. Also, Hedge is really good. Like, I, like don't. Edge is better than Chrome. I, and I, I like knowingly use Edge now. I mean, I have Chrome installed because I have everything installed, but I haven't used it in I don't even know how long. I don't even think I've ever used it on my new Mac except to install it. And actually, very recently, um, I found this awesome um, node extension that takes a high quality screenshot of tweets. And um, I, I had a Python um, a script that someone, CLI script that someone had written before that used Selenium and stuff, but it was um, uh, not updated. This one has been actively like worked on and is good. And what it's doing is rather than going through the whole Selenium stuff, it's it's, it's opening up the um, a headless version of Chrome and then using the DOM to capture the um, tweet and then making a couple of adjustments and then saving it as a file. But you can also customize like the width and some other stuff. Like it's it's a cool tool. Anyway, I have Chrome installed for that, but I don't even use it. But like, when we and, and there was some talk like from people like, if, if you had to have a pop-up, why, why wouldn't you maybe have a feedback thing that's like, hey, we see you're downloading this. Could you give us some feedback as to why? Sure. That would still be a little annoying, but it wouldn't be L- as little, shitty. Little creepy, but way less... Um... Way less totalitarian. Yeah. Also, I mean, okay, and and then this is just gonna be me, and then I'm gonna get off it. Look, Google does do similar things. To be very clear, like they have all kinds of, you know, like if you if you go to their sites and whatnot on another browser, like, hey, do you want to download Chrome or or you know, um, Gmail really works better in Chrome. You know, YouTube really works better in Chrome, which is the same sort of bullshit because people like my dad will see that and will download it, not realizing that whatever they were using almost certainly worked just as well. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, Google does do their own bullshit where like they're like, oh, well, we're, we're going to hold back features or whatever. But one of the things that got me is they were like, you know, it's so 2008. And on the one hand, okay, that is funny. And I did laugh. On the other hand, um, I don't know if Edge is in the position to really punch down on that considering it's based on Chromium, right? Yeah. Like, I'm just kind of like, guys, like I get, I get the point, but well, can you the, not? The pop-up I saw said that, hey, did you know Edge runs on the same uh, engine as Chrome, but you get the trust of Microsoft? Okay, that's a move. <laughs> well, no, because it is, because it's a weird thing. I think that there's a certain, for a certain number of people out there, they might find that compelling. There's a whole other certain part of people who are going to just laugh in the face of that, right? Because they still remember Microsoft as like the Microsoft from more than 20 years ago, mm-hmm. which is what you're what you brought up. You're like, oh, you know, it seems like old old Internet Explorer days. So like, at least that is more honest. The one that I saw the screenshot of was like, hey, you know, it, it, that browser is so 2008. You know, don't you want to stick with like the modern whatever and on the one hand, again, that's funny, but also you literally, as they said in that other one, like it's literally built off of Chromium. It's yeah. Literally 95% the same thing. The dev tools are better on Edge. And I like, are they? Um, yeah, yeah, huh. the dev tools are better. Um, I, I'm and, really into Firefox's dev tools. They do a really good job. You should check out the Edge ones. You might still prefer Firefox, but, but the Edge ones are good because that team is working hard on it and they are also actively, actively taking feedback and suggestions. Um, Instead it also, of canning their dev tools department. 
Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because that is, I think, one of the ways, because and they have like really good integration with VS Code. They're actually, they don't have a complete theme engine yet, but there are some themes you can select for it. And they are working on a way so that you can match your um, Edge DevTools theme to your VS Code theme. Huh. Like right. they, they have a number of them available now, but they're, they're working on it. So you could do anything, which is awesome. Um, I mean, that's just a small nerdy thing, but like, I like that. I, I like having my tools look the same. Um, and the integration between the two works really well. Um, so it, Edge Dev tools are really good. But, you know, the base of the thing, like the extensions are the same. There are a couple of differences. And, and to be clear, like the Edge team does contribute a lot upstream to Chromium. But, um, you know, like shoulders of giants. So anyway, Man, go on. That was my, my rant. My, my, my theme that I use in all of my editors my Lucky Charms theme. I don't think anyone else in the world likes that color scheme, but I've gotten so used to it that I can't. It's like it's a it's a light background. Yeah, colorful. It, it looks theme. like cereal milk, right? Yeah, yeah, like l- the end of eating Lucky Charms when your milk's turned all yellow and you just have a awesome. few marshmallows floating. Um, yeah, but like I don't think anyone else. I, I just don't see it being a popular theme ever. It just happens to be like what my brain likes. Yeah, which which is cool. There was one I used, I can't remember what it was called now, but I used a TextMate theme for years that I think I was like the only um it was Tubestar, that was what it was called. Um and I, I think I was one of, I think I was the only one who did it. Um and as the maintainer still to this day of like the largest repository of TextMate themes on GitHub, um, which shockingly still gets a number of people doing stuff from it because they can convert those themes. Oh yeah. The the TM things. the TM theme format is still accepted in most modern editors, even though most of them use a JSON format by default now. Exactly. Exactly. I mean that was one of the first things that that uh VS Code did was they were like, yep, we're gonna adopt this and create like a, a converter sort of thing. Yeah. They also did a thing for some of the plugins, you know, to make that easy, which I think mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why VS Code took off the way that it did. But um yeah, um, but I used that for a long time. Now I'm using, what have I been using? I've been using it for like three years. Um, it's a, it's a, like a, a retro type of, it's kind of like a cyberpunk type of theme. Um, I even use it in um, uh, Nova um, when I use that. Um, but yeah. What um, was the old one you used? Tubester? Uh, Tubester, yeah. I'll look that up. Um, do you want to hear about before we before we leave tech behind my yes. vic- my victory for the week at work yes this is people people who don't use regular expressions who don't understand why they're useful here's an example so we got this edict that all content on our little uh, self publishing platform that link to anything at oracle.com, any subdomain or oraclecloud.com had to have these long tracking links on them uh, with unique codes for the page it was linking from. So like two different pages on the site could link to the same Oracle page, but they needed different tracking links. And that was going to be this whole mess of editing and and we were going to have to have this whole system for like generating these links that would have to be propagated out to every author that contributed to our site so i wrote a plugin and all you have to do now is put the uh the, the mrm code it's like a 10 digit string you just have to put that in the front matter for the jekyll post and any oracle.com link in the post is automatically linked. Uh, it takes, and, and then I got a CSV file of all the existing content with its uh, MRM codes and wrote a 10 line script that updated everything in one go. So I have saved the company probably 40 hours of retroactive work and uh, untold amount of work going forward. And the filter that does the whole thing is basically three lines with two regular expressions. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You're Pe- so good. People, people are very, people are very thankful and ecstatic. And I have not told anyone at work yet 
that it's only three lines of code because I feel like that would diminish the magic. Well, I mean, it could and it couldn't. I mean, on one hand, it might diminish the magic. On the other hand, it might be like, holy shit, these three lines just <laughs> saved us an entire work week. Yeah. Which yeah. is significant. Um, uh, let's get to our next, next sponsor, but then I actually want to talk, kind of just talking about that thing. I want to talk about a, an idea that hit me and that I texted you about yeah. on uh, Thursday. But we'll get into that in just a second. So this episode is also brought to you by Coinbase. Cryptocurrency might feel like a secret or exclusive club, but Coinbase believes that everyone everywhere should be able to get in the door. Whether you've been trading for years or you're just getting started, Coinbase can help. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy-to-use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market, and they make them accessible to everyone. They also offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources. There's a mobile app so that you can trade securely, and you can monitor your crypto in one place. And the app is very addictive because you, you can very much see like where your things are going up or down. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. So whether you're looking to diversify, you're just getting started, or you're searching for a better way to access crypto markets, which let's face it, everyone is. I'm sure everyone over Thanksgiving was talking about crypto with their families. Uh, start today with Coinbase. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com slash overtired. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That is coinbase.com slash overtired. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy-to-use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency Get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up at coinbase.com slash overtired. Thanks, Coinbase. Thank you, Coinbase. No, and, and seriously, did did uh, crypto come up in your family conversations at Thanksgiving this year? I did not see family this year. Oh. Everyone, everyone went to Georgia and I said, no, thank you. I don't like oh, to travel okay. or stay in other people's homes. And I'm just going to, and my girlfriend worked and... Basically, no, I had a no, nice, yeah. relaxing Thanksgiving where I just watched TV and ate tacos. See, that sounds amazing. It that was sounds amazing. Really good. No I, complaints. I, I watched a lot of TV, which we're going to talk about in a second. But just to kind of close the loop, because you were talking about how you were able to optimize and automate, like basically with three lines of code, your reject was able to save all this time. So, you know, a few weeks back, we were talking about, I guess about a month or so ago, we were talking about how, um, it, we both talked about this with Victor, but we also talked about before Victor was on about how, like, you have to teach, like, non-developers how to use version control, right? Mm -hmm. And how you probably, and you've done this probably more than almost anybody on the planet, you know, having to teach normal people, Victor wouldn't be one of them, but like normal people how to use Markdown, right? Yeah. Okay, so well, even, the even Vic, like when you get into, especially with technical documentation, yeah, understanding like how to nest a fence code block inside oh, a nested yes. bullet list, like yes. it's just there's all these indentation rules and everything that I take for granted that are right. You have to you take know, the time the, to explain. No, oh, totally. You actually don't need to indent within the fence code block, and the fence code block doesn't need to be double indented because you know, that's only for indented code blocks. Yeah, no, totally. Well, okay, so a team that I, I, I work with, it's not my team, but we're kind of in the same family, and I used to work with them a lot more closely. Um, the the video team in DevRel at Microsoft um, were, like, Golnaz, who's awesome, um, she was like, okay, look, we all have to, because they just moved to a brand new video platform. And the old system had kind of a CMS and there was a way you would upload things and title things. And it wasn't great. It was, it was you know, kind of jank, but it, it worked well. And it was a GUI and it was a traditional CMS. The new way that they're doing everything, because the, the videos are now hosted on the, the docs platform, is all Markdown based. And then there is a like a table of contents, YAML file, which is a whole other thing. Um, but you know, but this stuff itself is is just going to be in kind of nested markdown files that have a particular format and particular things that they need to commit to GitHub and they need to work on and whatnot. And so she was trying to get everybody. She had kind of like a two day thing where she was trying to teach everybody, and she didn't really know a lot of this herself, so she was learning too. You know, learning Git, learning GitHub, and learning Markdown. And it reminded me of our conversation, and I was kind of seeing how they were struggling and they were getting concepts, but like for instance, they were having issues where before they realized what they could do with Git, they were all literally making changes to stuff. They were trying to commit them. And then they were deleting the folder on their computer and then grabbing things down again from GitHub 
to be updated. Like they were literally like just downloading like the folder again and like opening it up and then deleting everything and doing it, you know, to make their changes, not to realizing. To be that fair, that is basically what we ended up telling the non-developer people on our team to just always pull a fresh clone every time. No, but they weren't even pulling a clone because pulling it would be fine. Like they were literally like deleting. Okay, so you mean they were, so they were like literally yeah, just deleting. Dele- and deleting deleting and doing a clean, a clean clone every time they wanted to start a new branch just to avoid um, the conflicts well this wasn't even so much for starting a new branch this was just like for them to like commit their changes and stuff oh wow okay so so they weren't understanding the whole push-pull thing um once everybody got on the same branch yeah that worked um although golnaz deleted some stuff she didn't want to delete and so it, it, it we were trying to to we reverted the commit and we were trying to like remove uh, or or not remove one file from one of those things, oh, and, and we were yeah, it, we were having issues. And I was like, I I was like, Golnaz, genuinely, what would be easier is if we just recommit what we reverted, and then we just manually re-add this file mm-hmm. because well, that, this is going to be yeah. faster. Yeah, that, that that happens even to even even to people who know Git well. There are times. No, I know a it commit totally contains will. too many files, and you only want half of them, and it's exactly. just easier to. Delete it and manually add them. Well, no, and that's what we wound up doing. And that's what I was kind of trying to explain to her. And I was like, look, I'm not trying to say I'm like an expert, but I'm pretty good. And I was like, this is too much. It's like, there is a way to do this. I don't really know the easiest way to do this, but but this is going to be better. And and, but she did learn a really valuable lesson, which is do not commit too many things at once. Yeah. Like, like do it in mass. She's like, oh, so this is why you do this. Well, this occurred to me. So this is now twice in a month that we've, and granted, we're, working with technical documentation and stuff, but I've seen this come up with other people where, you know, like non-developers are having to learn about these systems and there are no resources because I've looked. There are no resources aimed at the non-developer audience for learning Git, learning GitHub. Um, Markdown maybe a little bit, but certainly not if you're going to be doing the nested sort of stuff like you're talking about. There's nothing that's kind of written in kind of plain language um, that doesn't have a ton of assumptions that people already know how to set things up. Like yeah. It just doesn't exist. And so I think that we should do a course. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like it's a sign. I feel like this has happened now, you know, with this conversation has literally come up twice. And and this is just in the last month. And I've dealt with this for years. I know you have too. Like, I, I used to have, like, even at Mashable, God, even when I worked at AMC as like a freelancer, I had like a whole, remember screen step? Oh yeah. Oh my God. I was a huge fan of screen step. I was too. I had an entire screen step site set up showing people how to use Markdown. Yeah. And, and, and this was in 2009, you know, and, um, and, and people used it because it was the, the CMS that we had was literally the worst thing I've ever used in my entire life. It was it was unusable. And so Markdown was one of those things that was just going to be an easier thing for people yeah. to do. Um, and um, uh, so I like I was doing that sort of stuff. So I was just thinking, I was like, you know, these are skills, especially people who, because I, I asked Twitter if people would be interested in, and people were. I was like, would this be something people would be interested in? And, and a lot of people said, even if I wouldn't be, I would want to refer people to. But this is the sort of thing where, especially I think for like people who are PMs, um, and work on technical teams, work on technical documentation. These are people who are really good at what they do, but they don't have the the background where they haven't lived and read this stuff. There's nothing out there for them. So that is my proposal that we, and I and, and you said you were down and we talk about it, but I'm putting this out on the podcast too, because I want to hear the podcasts, like the listeners like thoughts, because these are many of our people. Would that be something you'd be interested in? You know, like a a, a video kind of written course about how to do all this stuff but not from the perspective of we expect that you have, you know, um, you, you, that you program for a living. I think there's also like, I think any writer working even individually, not even on a small team, I think there are benefits to a Markdown Git workflow. I agree. For everybody. These are f- like free tools that you can use and version control is like, Auto save on steroids, which every writer has like had experiences where they wish Uh they could see like at what point things went wrong. 
No, you're exactly right. I mean, I've actually, and I, I've said this to the office team for years where we're, and I've tweeted this and I've gotten like, when I've tweeted this before, it's gotten massive response where I'm like, I want Git for like office documents. And people are like, oh, you know, I mean, track changes. I'm like, no, not track changes. I want like an actual like diff system where I can see what was added, what was removed. And and like for PowerPoint, for, you know, for Excel, for for Word, where you can see each individual thing and you can see where stuff went wrong. Like I would kill for that to the it point was... that I've that I've like reverse engineered and, and then it stopped working. But I like had a thing where I'd like write things in Markdown and have it in Git. And then I had a way of like converting it into Word documents and then going back. But that anyway, sorry, there, go was, on. there was this Mac app called, I think it was called Draft Control. And it basically added version control to any type of file. Uh, it was specifically designed to work with like Word documents and and various RTF formats. And um, I dug into it one day. I dug into the the files it was storing, and it was basically using Git bundle. Yeah, and that's interesting. And and tracking like change history on you just point it to a directory, and it would automatically as changes came in, it would create these these bundle commits. It was pretty cool. It it died. Like it just got it stopped being updated one day and then eventually stopped working. But yeah, yeah, I'm seeing this and yeah, it looks like it was written about in 2014. Um, which is a shame. But but also it's complicated. But it's one of those things where like I mentioned this, I'm like, you know, I mean like I don't know, I feel like it's something that Microsoft could do. And apparently there are ways people could do things like that. But I feel like there's a and I've said this before, and I will say this again to somebody who's smarter than me. I, I just want to create a course, but this is, I'm not even joking. This is a billion dollar, this is a billion dollar idea. If you could have a true like version control, like sort of like um, text editor office suite sort of thing, or even a way to add version control to, you know, like the standard office suite, that is a billion dollar idea because um, of all the, all the issues that people have. And Google Docs doesn't do that. Like they have the collaborative thing, which is when I first say that people are like, oh, you know, you can collaborate on Google Docs. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about version control. And I'm talking about like line by line, you know, like edits. Blames. <laughs> the, I'm talking about blames. Exactly. I'm talking about being able to go like line by line and see, yes, I added, deleted, removed this thing. And and I can, you know, like. And I signed off on this change. And there's mm -hmm. an audit trail to show exactly who did what. Exactly, which is really important. So, but but I agree with you. I think even normal writers, like even if like all you do is like writing on your own, whatever. I mean, I wrote everything. So did you in Markdown for my whole career. And version control is also an important thing too, because again, like you said, like you want to know when shit goes sideways or when something doesn't save or sure. when like... But or, it, it also gives you the license to make mistakes because yes. you know that you can... You can always backtrack any single line. You can find, you know, where where something went wrong and you can just get it back. Like and and, exactly. it, and without having to like go back to that version of the document, you can actually replace just a line. That's like, what I'm saying. You, you can, can get very finite with it, very granular, and and you can you can make a branch. You can mess things up as much as you want to if all goes wrong to switch back to the main branch and never merge it. And like, it just gives you the yep. license to fuck up. It does. And you're right, because there are all those times when like you're writing and you have a really good paragraph, you're on a roll, and then you delete it for some other reason. And, and then you are writing further and you're like, shit, I really liked what I said there. And you don't have that option in, in other tools. So um, anyway, I think this is something that we should look at doing because there isn't a course out there that's written for non-technical non people, like non-primarily technical people about this. And I think that, like you said, I think everybody could benefit. And so... You know what's nice on GitHub? Line-by-line -line comments in, in commits and in diffs. Like, we do our edit. Like, people who want to submit to our publishing platform, uh, they make a pull request. And then I can check out their pull request. I can make my edits. And then in the diff, I can just hit the plus sign next to a line number and add a, a note saying, here's why I made this change. Here's what you need to look for in the future uh, before I merge the commit. And and it, it's like a great way to, it's like adding notes to a Word document. 
uh, it, it gives me all of the version control. Plus I get to tell people why I made each change and that's a GitHub thing, not a Git thing, but right. But it's a, it's a cool tool for that. No, that is really cool. And I mean, I think that's the thing too, is like, it's, um, uh, obviously get GitHub are different, but I think that for some people, especially, you know, people, they become kind of the same. Like a lot of people just know GitHub, which is okay, you know? Um, but I do think it's important for people to kind of know like the basics of both. But that is cool. I didn't know about that feature on GitHub. That's really interesting. So anyways, that's that's my proposal. I would like love to hear feedback from our listeners if this is something you would be interested in. Um, and how much would you pay? Yeah, how much would you pay? Because I would be curious about that too. I feel like, I feel like there would be an opportunity to maybe even have tiers depending on how in-depth you wanted to go on stuff. I don't know. We'd have to look at that. But yeah, I would definitely be interested in knowing how much you'd be willing to pay um, for this. Yeah, exactly. But but it's, you know, I mean, like, so I'm just saying, because like, I would love to be able to give it away for free, but this sort of thing, and some of it we might be able to, but I, assuming this this happens, but... We'll give you a taste. We'll give you a taste, yeah. taste for free. Totally. But I just feel like this is this would be a lot of work, but I feel like it'd be important. And um, But if the, you want to learn how to use Git Bisect, that's going to cost you. Have you ever used Git Bisect? Do you know what Git Bisect is? I know what it... Okay, I've heard of it, and I can't so, think of what it is right now. So, like, so something goes wrong. You have a bug in your in your app, and you want to figure out when... Like, you, you don't know what caused it or what changed. So, you, you dig back, and you find a commit where it's not there. You find a commit that works, and you mark that as a good commit, and you mark your current commit as a bad commit, and then you start bisect. And it divides the distance between the good and the bad. And then you test it and you say, you mark the current, the current commit as good or bad. If it's bad, then it rewinds halfway between the two bad commits to, to, or between the original good commit and the current commit. If it's good, then it starts moving you forward until you find the exact commit where it went wrong. It just keeps dividing the distance between the two and you just hate. You just keep doing get uh, bisect continue until you get to the commit that broke it. It's an amazing tool for tracking down bugs. Oh, that's awesome. But I, don't, see, I don't know when it was added to Git, but it's a really cool sub command. That is really cool. And see, that's the thing, too. This is a course that could continue to be updated um, because they are always making changes to stuff. Anyway, uh, let us know your thoughts. How much you would pay for something like that? Because that was an idea I had, and I actually think it's a really good one. So I'm. Um, w- I want to talk about TV. I want to tell you yep. about some stuff first. Literally about some stuff. Literally about some stuff. If you like stuff, if you like stuff and things, I have just the sponsor for you. Uh, as we get back into the swing of things, Bespoke Post is here with a new seasonal lineup of must-have box of awesome collections. Bespoke Post par- partners with small businesses and emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every month. My first box included an awesome folding knife that I've been using almost every day and a great looking canvas and leather bag, stuff I can like really appreciate, but I wouldn't have thought to look for. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From autumn craft beers to cozy threads and camping gear essentials, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you, and they release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel at any time, no, no charge. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but it has over $70 worth of gear inside. Plus, with each box of awesome, you're supporting small business. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from small, up-and-coming brands. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter, enter the code OVERTIRED at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com with the code OVERTIRED for 20%, 20% off your first box. Bespoke Post brings you a box of awesome every month. $45 gets you over $70 worth of cool stuff from small businesses that you would love to know about. Overtired listeners get 20% off their first box, so pick up your collections or pick your collections and subscribe at boxofawesome.com and use code OVERTIRED at checkout for 20% off. Whew. Stop. Stuff and things. So, okay, first TV question. Yes. 
were you ever into Cowboy Bebop as an anime? I saw it, but I don't remember much of it, to be completely honest. And I'll also say this. There's some anime that I really do enjoy. And like when I find myself watching it, I can really like. But like historically, the only anime I was really into was the film Akira. Yeah, Akira and Ghost in the Shell. Like those two, I'll swear by, but nothing else really ever caught my attention. Um, But yeah, so I was never, I never got into Cowboy Bebop. I knew of it. Yeah. Uh, And so that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I think I've seen like some of it. Yeah. But 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 I have like I no idea who the characters are. I don't know any, you know, like I'm aware of the thing. I have no clue. I could tell you like nothing more about it so when netflix came out with a live action cowboy bebop i was i was intrigued like i had to give it a shot and it is um it is excellent i i highly recommend that you check it out christina i think it's super like the the cast is awesome the writing is very it's like gritty noir cowboy futuristic um (laughs) <laughs> they're like bounty hunters and it, it's very uh it's got a real um what's the movie i'm thinking of with uh san angeles uh blade runner it's got a very uh-huh. blade runner gritty noir feel to it oh that's cool excellent effects excellent uh like the spaceships are awesome and yeah it i i i definitely i want you to see it so we can talk about it Okay. All right. I will. I will definitely watch it so we can talk about it. Um, also, the dude, um, what's his name? I'm looking it up right now. Mustafa Shakir, Sh- Shakir, Shakir. Um, he was in Luke Cage. Uh, he has. He's he's a black guy with these eyes that I think they might be green. I'm not sure they're they're dark, but they reflect enough light that he has this haunting look like when the when the ring lights are on his eyes, it just they glow. It is it's amazing. You got to see this guy. OK, OK. All right. So I will check that out. If you say that it's good, because I was I, I'm going to be honest, I was kind of like, eh, I, I, mean, I can pass this. But if you're, you kind of had me at a Blade Runner type of thing. And if you say that it's good and worth talking about, then I will watch it. Um, Here, I'm dropping a link in Quip. You can just take a quick look at, oops, at at uh, the picture of Mustafa, and you can see what I'm talking about. I dropped it in, but it won't let me outdent it, so it looks like it's part of Tubester theme. There we go. Okay. okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good stuff. Okay. So for me, TV wise. The thing that I, and I mentioned this to you before, and obviously, and I do not blame you, you're kind of like, why would I watch this? But I implore you and the rest of the audience who might be um, like reticent. Thinking, uh, yeah, reticent, but, but, but it might be thinking like this would be dumb. But like if you have the opportunity, if you have Peacock um, or you have other ways of getting it, Saved by the Bell, the reboot is incredibly good. And, um, I, um, I'm, I'm a big, like, fan of... Do uh, you have to care about the original? No. It's, it's good if you know some of the jokes. Like, it's good if you've seen the original so you can be aware of some of the jokes. However, it is definitely not one of those things where you're like, oh, yeah, I have to, um, you know, um, like, be, like, a completely, like, you know, embedded and, and, and connected to this thing. Like it, it, it's not. Um, so it is uh, like, like you don't have to like, if you're a super fan, I think you will enjoy it because it's funny and it makes fun of the show. But even if you're not, I think that you would find enjoyable things. So it's created by somebody who was um, a, a writer on 30 Rock. She's the showrunner. So it's very tongue in cheek. It's a weird show. The second season came out. This is kind of the news. I think it's better than the first They've made it kind of this weird world, which I really appreciate. Like they just let shit kind of get weird where and and then they sort of acknowledge they kind of break the fourth wall a little bit and they acknowledge kind of the craziness sometimes of like, where is this place? What is this world? Like it, it's it's very self-aware, but it's also funny and it's sweet. And and I I don't know exactly who it's for. Like, I don't know if the kids today would be super into it. I would hope they would like it. Um there's going to be some references and some things they don't. So I feel like in some ways it's really perfectly aged. Like it's perfect. It's perfect for people who are my age. I think it'd be perfect. Like people like 
like you would, would I think you would like it, honestly. I feel like if you gave it a shot, you would like it. It it's it's ridiculous, but it's also like really good. Like it's I'll say this. There is no way in hell and there is no reason that this show should be the quality that it is. Like there is absolutely no reason. Like you hear Save by the Bell reboot and you think, oh my God, this is going to be the most cheesy, awful, terrible thing. And it is not. Um, I think one of the smartest things they did is that they hired the guy who did the web series, Zach Morris's Trash, which was like a show that recapped episodes of the Save by the Bell and then just pointed out all the ways that Zach Morris is terrible, <laughs> even though he's my favorite. <laughs> Um, they hired him. He, 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 he's a, he's a writer. He's actually the, the, um, story editor. Um, and so he's on the writing staff and he actually does a podcast with Mark Paul Gossler, who played Zach called Zach to the future, where they revisit episodes to say the bell, which Mark Paul Gossler has apparently never watched. And they, they talk about it and, and it's, it's, that's funny too. And they very frequently kind of delve in all the ways. It's like, oh my God, like how did, why, why did we think this was okay? So, but anyway, but that guy is on the writing staff, which I think gives you kind of a sensibility of like, oh, okay, they're not being, they're not modeling about the past at all because they're not like they're, it, it, there's, there's an episode in uh, the second season where um, Elizabeth Berkeley's character um, talks about her, her time in Vegas, which is a complete throwback to showgirls. And she has on like yeah, Versace totally. boots and whole things. And like, she goes to this whole thing and like has lines from showgirls. It's a very it's very funny how it's worked out um and that's kind of a big deal because it's my knowledge like the actress has never really talked about showgirls i think she showed up to a screening once but like it it ruined her career and and uh that has not been one of the things that she's been happy to kind of go in on so the fact that she could joke about it and and that they like made fun of that i was actually really impressed that was really funny so um if if I I just I implore people it's a it's a weird show but in a good way. I really like Say by the Ball. Like knowing I, knowing yeah. what you know about Elle, mm-hmm. which isn't to say a lot, but you have a general idea of her sensibility. Do you think this is a show that I should try watching with Elle, or is this one I have to give a shot on my own? No, I think you could watch it with her for sure. Um, because it's it's like it's. It's silly, uh, but but it's smart. Um, they also okay. handle, you know, like they address like class issues and and other kind of social things in a smart way that is not maudlin. Again, like it's not like one of those like very special episode of things. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I, th- I think okay. that you would like it. I mean, the the thing the the basic premise is that. There is um, an underfunded school, I think, like in in a certain part of Los Angeles, they got shut down. Uh, because uh, Governor Zach Morris um, did the budget and got something wrong. And so he had to cut all sorts of money from schools. So a bunch of schools got shut down and then people freaked out. And somebody had the idea, well, why don't you just send the poor kids to the rich schools like Bayside? And um, he he jumps on that idea because he doesn't want people to not like him. And so these kids from this other school end up at, at Bayside and... Um, you know, kind of have to integrate with the in this other world. And, and the way the Bayside is portrayed is that to outsiders, to people who don't go there, it's like, okay, why? Why? How is this even a real place sort of thing? Um, and uh, and it's very funny. And um, right. it it's, but there's also like, like you know, throwbacks to, to earlier episodes and stuff. And so if you did watch the original series, which most people did, you didn't, but most people have at least seen, they've probably seen more episodes than they can count because it was on reruns all the damn time. Um, there's a great essay about Save the Bell in a Chuck Klosterman's uh, book. Um, Cocoa um, Puffs? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear his thoughts on the new one because I feel like it's would be completely the sort of thing he'd be into. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's it's really good. And it and it's it's sweet, like I said, but it's also, it's just, they got, they went really weird in some ways in the, in the second season, which I really appreciated, it reminded me of 30 Rock in that sense, you know, there's kind of like this different reality, you know, for, yeah. for certain things, which I really liked. So, all right. You know what I've realized about Elle's sensibilities in television? What's that? She does not like lawbreakers. Like she, she, Shows like Ozark and and Weeds and Breaking mm-hmm. Bad and even Bad Girls, 
Like she just, she, or Good Girls? What was the show called? Good, yeah, Good, good girls. girls. Good Girls, but they were bad girls. Yes. That's uh, funny. Um, like she just can't get into characters that go against her sense of, like you morality? know, like whatever morality uh, is for her. Um, like she's fine if someone is breaking the law, but for a just cause and they're doing, you know, what feels like the right thing, she's fine. But if people, I think it's, if people are doing things they know are wrong, like she can't get into the show and it's, I'm like, I'm kind of the opposite. Like I really enjoy watching people. Yeah, like, so she would so, so, she, so she would hate Succession. Succession yeah. which is my favorite show. She would loathe it, which totally fair. Um that's really interesting. Well, this this is Save by the Bell, so it doesn't have any of that. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's really interesting. I, it, it could it could that could fit in her her need for people to be good guys. Well, no, I mean that is kind of the thing, is that e- even the 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 most kind of like sociopathic character, Mac Morris, Zach Morris's son, who is very funny and very charming, and the kid is very cute. Like the way they, the way he's played, the way the actor plays him is really great. But also the way he's portrayed, there's like you see a little more to it. But it's also so ridiculous that like you just everyone's just kind of both laughing at him, and then he's also you know kind of I, I it's hard to describe. But yeah, this this would definitely be one of those shows that definitely doesn't have anybody who's like going against their moral code or anything. Like there 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 are no there are no villains. You know this is this is a comedy. Um, it, it is more adult. Uh, this is the only thing that, again, like I said, I don't know who the audience is because the original was obviously aimed at children. It was on mm-hmm. Saturday mornings. I think that teens would like it if they watched it. Um, but there are a lot of references and jokes and, and kind of things about stuff. There's definitely more adult and, and, and they, you know, they say bitch. I don't think they, they curse in any other ways, but, but it is definitely more, you know, they, they make jokes about having sex. Like it is definitely not like the milk toast, like Saved by the Bell, we have like a peck on the lips and the whole audience, you know, goes, ooh, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. it's not that shit at all. All right. Yeah. Dude, speaking of pandemics and TV shows, did you watch this season of The Morning Show? Yes, I fucking loved it. It was kind of amazing. I think uh, it, like uh, there's a so place good. for a, a show that recaps the last two years we've had. Yes. Like, it's really kind of riveting because for anyone not watching it, the, this season, they they embraced the pandemic and they basically yep. are telling the story of the early days of the early days of the and pandemic. It, and it ends the day of lockdown. It's so funny because it ends the day that my friend Alex and I went and saw Jagged Little Pill on Broadway. The last day Broadway was open before, you know, it was closed down for 18 months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, uh <laughs> I went to a Dashboard Confessional concert. It's like what I consider like my last day of, of anything. And it ended then. And I was like, because I watched the screeners and uh, she and I were watching them together. And we'll, we couldn't watch them at the same time because only one person could be logged into her screener account at once. And um, I was like texting her because I like stayed up all night, like watching all of them. And I, yeah, like two of our predictions came true. And one of them was like, oh my God, they're going to end on on this date and it's i thought it was great television also i loved that it it fully embraced being a soap yeah 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 for sure do you think they'll tackle uh do do you think the next season will include black lives matter yeah yeah if they get another kind of has to doesn't it it? has to no because because that's the next thing right like because because if you look at 2020 i mean that was the next big moment like it ends in march and then the next big thing would have been you know may george floyd like Mm. you have to like there'd be no way that you could not um it'd be i i i think i and i don't know if they even picked up for a third season or not i sure hope they have i know it's very expensive um and, and i don't know how it's performed for apple i really enjoyed it i really liked uh the the uh bradley Corey um mm-hmm. uh laura thing oh, um yeah the in the season finale i yes. won't I, no spoilers because it's still pretty new but yeah the the dynamic yes. between bradley and Corey is pretty outstanding it is. And, and, and they were always, to me, especially in the first season, like they were like the show. And um, his character is so uh, fantastic. It's so his like his character is so superficial, though. Yes. Like he is nothing if he's not a scheme, like everything is a scheme. And yeah, he, like he, to break yeah. through to any actual like mm-hmm. real emotion that isn't put on for the sake of 
manipulation that yeah it's 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 very raw it feels very exposed and raw and and i think they did a great job with it no i thought they did a great job i think that that uh, billy credit was fantastic uh i thought all the acting was really good um and i like i said i really like they embraced it being a soap and um and i like that uh we saw like a lipstick bisexual like you know like you know in her 40s like kind of like you know exploring that stuff like i mm-hmm. i I, I liked the whole show. Um, I loved the season, actually. Um, I'm glad we're talking about it. But yeah, the, this, this, the season finale was really good. The, and the, the Corey and Bradley scenes were really good. And um, I really hope it gets a third season. I'm, I'm Googling now to see uh, if it has been renewed. Um, but um, it has not been renewed yet. Um, but I'm really hoping that it, that it will... Um, yeah, uh, it seems like a decent property for Apple based on I mean, I think what so. they I mean, like, promo anyway. Oh, no, totally. And and it gets them prestige. I think the problem is I'm pretty sure that the I th- I'm pretty sure it was 150 million a season or something like mm. I'm, I'm, I'm I, you know what I mean? Like it was a, an extremely expensive show. Um, again, without having spoilers, one of the main cast members, they wouldn't have to have you know, pay anymore. But like, I think that Aniston and, and, and Witherspoon are each getting like 2 million an episode. So. Damn. Yeah. So. I want 2 million an episode. Seriously. I just want 2 million, but like, (laughs) it's. Just give me one episode. I'm good. Yeah. Um, so I, I really feel like, um, I hope that they do it. I I think, I think it'll just come down to, I don't like, it was definitely their prestige play and they did get some Emmy nominations and some wins, but and we'll have to see. Um, I hope, th- I hope that they, they bring it back. Cause I really, really like it. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. Happy Saturday. Yes. Happy Saturday. I'm, and I'm, I'm glad, glad you survived Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you. And sorry for being emotional earlier, but um, that's what we're at that moment. We're all here for you. It's okay. Thank you. appreciate it. Um, I'm glad that uh, that that uh, the gang was able to uh, uh, the gang does the sponsor free episode was able to go off without a hitch. <laughs> that 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 would be the title, and in, in, in it's always sunny parlance. Yes, we went with confusing erections. Ha! Which is even better, I think. Which is also also uh, the gang gets confusing erections would be the uh, the, sunny, be the, the, the sunny sunny reference name. there. Yes, uh, that is probably a show that um, that L does not like. No. That is not. I was going to say not that, up L's, L's alley. Yeah, one of my favorite. But, but I. But see, th- these are good things to know. Yeah, I do. Th- I, okay, you can definitely watch Save the Bell with her though. So okay, okay. cool, cool, cool. Uh, have a great week, Christina. Thanks, Brett. Get some sleep. Get some sleep. The system is going down low.